G'day ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Rockstar Sales Show. We are super excited because this is season number two. Now we're kicking off season number two with probably the icon of South African music. We are kicking off with Francia van Koch. Now a lot of you guys following us on all the social media platforms have probably seen that you know we're crushing it on all the platforms. Uh, at the moment we're getting about a quarter of a million views on our Facebook channels and what we're now doing is we're bumping that up to our Spotify, we're going to Apple Podcasts and then also YouTube. So we're bumping up the second season by speaking to some of the most interesting people on the African continent and how they started their business, how did they grow it, what stopped them, what's the things to avoid and the first person like we said is we're bringing on the icon. So for all the musers that's always listening, for all the people that's following guys like Fancho van Koch around the industry, he's going to speak about you know where he came from, what had happened, what kind of money did he spend on his you know the family, the friends, you know what does it all entail to become the top level in the music industry. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Listen to the podcast. Do an intro. What are you busy with? Where are you? What's happening in your life? Uh, I'm Francis van Koch. I'm playing shows again. Again? Yeah, like after... They let you out of the house. So after a year and six months of kind of... Um, figuring things out i mean it was a tough year and a half i mean we had to change the way we thought about playing music what we do what comes next you know things that we we're used to doing every year was just completely gone so so now it's like getting back into the th uh, the swing of things of doing things normally again you were in studio but, this morning yes i was rehearsing a bit this morning with folk of politica we're yeah. playing uh, some shows in gauteng this weekend yeah um, and I'm Are working you on tomorrow night at Highlanders. Tomorrow night I'm in Brackenfell. Brackenfell, any Brackies? Uh, Northern suburbs are my favorite place to play in the world because it's the closest to my house. <laughs> Can you uh, still be at over 12 o'clock? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, after that, I'm, I'm in Gauteng for the weekend. Um, I'm working on my fourth solo album. That's my main mission for the rest of the year and uh, early 2022. Um, Fog of Police Guys, 18 years old. We've been playing all over the place the last couple of months. Like, I employ a couple of people, and so the other day I sat down with one of my salespeople. And uh, Abigail, that's now there, my social media chicky there. I just realized that when I started sales, she wasn't born for two years. That's crazy. So there's a, basically, she was born when Francia von Koch started their career. And when you're thinking about that, you know, how much the world has changed. You said it when we, before camera that there was no MySpace. Mm. There was no TikTok. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. Dude, we had like WhatsApp and then mix it when that happened. That was like crazy. Yeah, I, I thought about it this last couple of weeks that we've been playing these 18-year fuck-off shows because there was a show with three girls in the front singing every lyric to every song, the most unknown stuff. They were singing along and I was like, how old are you? Yeah. 19. So I was like, that is insane. I mean, that people can still relate to our music and it's like they were born the time that these songs were written. Yeah. Crazy. But I mean, everything has changed in the music industry as well. When, when we started, there was, there was nothing like Kalula or Mango. There was no cheap flights. We were yeah. driving around in a van. 
We toured with a map book. You know, it was before GPS. It was like, like Nokia 33. Where are we going? Nokia 3310. You know, um, it was a completely different life. We, we, we toured without a laptop. So you would be on the road and you'll be organizing things with phone calls only. So it's completely different. Everything okay, has so changed. Here's the question, right? How many gigs have you organized from a tiki box? Now, I know the millennials won't know what I'm talking about. Okay, that little orange one. Yeah, yeah. How um, many gigs did you organize from that? I, I can't really recall organizing any shows from Tiki Box, but I definitely phoned my girlfriend <laughs> from a Tiki Box on the road. Yeah, I yeah. remember that in the early days. With, uh, with five guys, and uh, how much did they gory from the side? Yeah, you must. that's why Tiki Box is actually cool, because it's, uh, it's out, of, out, of, out of sight. Yeah. You can step away. You know? Hilarious. So let's hear, uh, one thing that I always liked about you is we're boogies from the same neighborhood, right? Uh, you're slightly older. Okay, let's just say I'm slightly older than side. Okay, front I don't mind. I'm 41. I'm yeah. 41 years old. So I'm 39 at this stage. So we're like there. We're like very close. Um, I'm a boogie from Paro, like I always say. You're a boogie from Belleville. Okay. Um, now, I wanted to ask one question. So I think, Nilesh, you got to load that one photo if we can. Oh, my goodness. So there. apparently you're really good at raga, right? Now, in uh, a certain Mr. Derek Ogart's life, he got destroyed by two different people. So the first person was Brian Lima. I don't know if you saw that tackle. I know that tackle okay. very well. The second person was apparently you. Um, so my question is this. Because you play some raga, do you think you can Brian Lima in? Dude, that was my Brian Lima moment. I mean, um, while I was preparing for this fight, obviously that Brian Lima video was sent around quite a lot. And in my mind... It has you know, like on every single highlight reel in the world of greatest tackles, that was that. Yeah, so see, that's I, what I'm I saw it a lot. But I mean, like, like, I, like you said, I love, I love rugby. Mm. I still love the game, watching it. Um, I, I dabble in like playing tens tournaments here and there. Yeah. Um, we spoke about it before this thing. Um, you said uh, you had a little bit of realization when you rocked up to the tens the other day. Yeah, if you're 36, it's, it's hectic to play against 20-year-olds <laughs> that play club rugby full-time. It, yeah. You're not supposed to. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for me to have the opportunity to... Donner, a springbok, it was like the ultimate thing for you me. I was like, in my training, I was thinking to myself, you know, I can say that forever. Yeah. Amur the springbok. Dude, you know, it was the part of thing. my mindset. I watched the fight again this week, just to go through all the research and stuff. He's a pro rugby player and you were fitter than him. Like he gassed. No, but I, I, I knew he was a little bit out of shape because I don't think he was training a lot yeah. around that time. I think he obviously came back into it for the boxing and he was training hard, but he, he definitely gassed. And I knew, you know, if I'm going to run further, if I'm going to spend more time in the gym, I'm going to be fitter than him. And yeah. It, yeah, it paid off. How much is the pressure to win? For me, huge. I mean, I, I don't think anyone really expected me to win. You know, obviously, uh, Rock Muso. Against I think the, some people bought some Harleys, houses, against the, timeshare with the money they won of that bet. Against the Springbok. So I, I, I realized afterwards, I actually wrote like a victory song mm. that I released after, after the fight, but I wrote it like in the lead up to the fight. Yeah. And one of the guys that wrote the song with me, it's Fred from Devil's Fantastics. Mm. He told me afterwards that he thought that Derek was going to win. So I was like, you oh, wrote thank, the victory song with me, but you didn't have the Thanks for being faith. my corner, yeah. dude. Thanks for being my corner. So obviously a lot of people thought I'm not going to win. I, I, you know, I worked... Hard, so I, I, that, that was a mission for me. 
Yeah. I went How completely did you do the box training? crazy. Like I'm, I mean, I'm trying to get into better shape. They say round is a shape, but I want a different shape than round. But uh, how did you fit that training into your schedule? Because I know my schedule is 140 flights. You're probably doing 200 flights a year. We're all over the country. How do you fit the training into it? Yeah, actually, we got quite lucky there because it was in the mid middle of the COVID vibes. It was in March this year or May, yeah. May. So there was not a lot of shows. So I could actually focus my time on that and I didn't really care about doing anything else, okay. which was amazing. So I could really focus on training six days a week. I made my wife crazy though, because she wasn't used to this sport dude in yeah. the house. You know, I'm like, I have to go box this morning and then I'm coming home and I'm running and, and I'm doing this and that. And, and uh, we just had a little baby as well. Yeah. So I irritated her a lot <laughs> with this uh, new sport yeah. vibe. But, um, I mean, it paid off, and I, I, I took it very seriously. Yeah. I think that actually um, the sports side, exercise and all that kind of Because usually by, I mean, like a sales coach, we should be training more. As a muser, I mean, you're on the road the whole time, you should be training more. How do you feel that the fitness thing influenced your more performance on stage and stuff? Dude, it's crazy. Like now, I realize, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep doing what I did Oh. Training for the boxing. Well, or don't tell anybody about the sushi. Don't worry about it. Thank you. I love sushi. <laughs> um, so I try and keep. Um, yeah, I try and keep as fit as I was for the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and now performances are way easier. I mean, I'm. I'm just in a better, better yeah. shape. It's. it's so we, we just fit. got the heads up now. The easiest thing to do is just the informal thing. So let me start with uh, the question that everybody wants to know. Dude, how rich are you? How like you gotta be you fucking rich. Gotta be that. You your one video has got hundred and twenty million views. No, you got you one. S- you got one zero too many. No, it's hundred and twenty million it's views. 12, Twelve million. Twelve million. Views. The one with with what's me called with uh, Corin Zoid. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one. Of I the literally last. checked it last night. It said hundred twenty. It's got one, you've got one zero too many. Shit. Okay, twelve million. Twelve uh, million. But I mean, that is one of the biggest. How much South money African do you make videos. of that? How much money do I make of that? Um, I make money monthly from YouTube views accumulated over yeah. all my videos and I would say it makes out maybe 10% of my monthly income shit that's yeah. a decent income so um uh, but but YouTube is one of the lesser paying streaming platforms so okay so let's reverse this bus quickly right so Boyki from Bavel started playing music with some buddies which is always nice Right, probably booked the first. I saw you booked the first school hall, you know, like type of vibes there, and then you start growing, then you start making money. So let's start there. So, did you start making? Do you think that in today's society, if I was a muso, that I should go the YouTube and online route, like a lot of guys do, get the millions of followers, try to get that, or do you think the pub route is financially more sound? Okay, uh, when we started, I didn't think about making money. Mm. Like we thought about making music. Yeah. Like I didn't care about money at all. I didn't care about any materialistic things. Great look. I I um I lived in a room with the rest of Fokker Police I had a, like a yellow room that was this big. What I owned was like a mattress in the corner with dirty sheets and a stack of porn mags. That's like all I had. <laughs> Motivation, um, what the fuck? <laughs> you gotta do I mean, what you gotta do when it's that, a bad day. That's all I had and all I was worried about is Making music, being on the road, yeah. living my passion, and partying, obviously. It was a big of part course. big part of it. So we didn't really care about making money. We just wanted to make music. I think for us, we lived out like a band kitty, like 
Um, and if there's no money in that kitty, you don't go out. You don't, yeah. you don't, you don't um, drink. You don't go party. You I know think that's mean? a good thing. How does the band kitty thing works? Does, do you get like a monthly pool of it or just every show of it? Yeah, so we, we kind of lived out of a band kitty. You know, everyone mm. would share the same money. We would share clothes, whatever. Ian Brood, Poloni, that Exactly. You would, it would depend, like we would eat on how much money we would have. <laughs> like on the road, we'll eat steak and we get home, we'll eat toast. You know yeah. what I mean? Like stuff like that. Um, but that obviously changed through the years. I think it was, it, it is very difficult to make money in the early days of your career playing rock music in South Africa. It's not an easy thing, especially if you're five people yeah. in a band. So, so through the years, we, we realized we're going to set up a business and um, you know, start paying little salaries to each other. And that obviously grew over time. And um, Fokker Police took a break. All of us took on other projects. Um, I started doing other things. You know, every, some of the guys in the band started studios. I started doing other bands, doing some TV work, doing this and that. Mm. And, you know, now, you know, I, I, have, I have a couple of different income streams from um, different things that I do. Okay, so starting this band, now I play an instrument or two, but not your level. I'm in normal vibes. And uh, it's expensive. You can't rock up there with a Cash Crusaders guitar. Um, you can if you're really good at it. I remember when I started my business, right? Um, Boyki from Paro started my business, employed some people, employed some more people, grew my business, became a sales coach, and then nobody wants to help you. I mean, you have to pay for every venue, every water, and then somewhere it just switches, mm. where all of a sudden everybody wants to be on the bag wagon and help you. Where did that switch come? Because I probably did, it had to come out somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we, we, we started playing on like terrible guitars mm. and gear. We didn't have anything. Back really. of trucks and. Yeah. Like whatever, whatever we could really find. I mean, no one had a decent guitar. I think our, our Johnny, uh, the lead guitarist, had yeah. a decent guitar when we started. You know, no one else had a decent guitar. But yeah, like those. Is that those, why he's the lead guitarist? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. He's also the best. Um, but um, for us, I think in Folk of Police Car, we got very lucky. Um, I think um, we worked in the industry, me and Vainan, the bass player, we were sound engineers. So we worked in the in industry seeing what bands do for about two years. We worked in-house at a place called Purple Turtle in Cape Town. So oh, we, yeah. We saw like... No, did you work at Purple Turtle? Yeah. We saw like 180 bands in a year. So we were like, they do this right, they do this right. And we kind of decided when we start this project, we're going to do it as right yeah. as possible or as close to right as what we can. So um, we tried to put things in place. We did a lot of marketing before. Started with like sticking up stickers in Stellenbosch. I wanted you know. to ask you that question. Like, dude, your, your first stuff that made you different from the Yuri Els and those kind of guys, right, is your graphics mm. on your posters was, was totally different than previous. Yeah, I, like, think, I think we wanted to. It was more to. art that you want to have in your bedroom than it was wanting to get stuck on the side of a building. Yeah, we, we, that was a big part of the project as well. We were, you know, we were making music that we thought of as uh, of... Uh, an international standard or what we would like to listen to and we wanted to add the visual side to that in performance and the way our art album art and flyers and stuff like that look because at that time you know we would go to bars with flyers to go advertise our shows we yeah. would go into the streets and put up posters you know before before social media uh, old uh, old school old school way yeah who gave you your first big break do you feel 
I think we kind oh, of... Before I ask that question, ask this. If you have to look back at your career, right, was there ever a stage in your life that you decided, fuck it, I want to give this up. This is too hard. Mm. Yeah, uh, uh, a couple of times, actually. Um, uh, with Fokov Poliska, we went on a little break in 2007. Mm. And to me, the band was Alpha and Omega. That was all I thought I could do. It was like, that's my thing. And now it's gone. What am I going to do with my life? Yeah. I'm just the drunk singer of Fokov Poliska. What do I do next? Garden services. So, so, <laughs> so that year I enrolled at UNISA. I thought I'm going to study. I was like 26. I thought I was going to start studying now. Yeah. Um, tried to do some projects through the year and then I realized this is not going to work. So I started another band, yeah. Funko Cartel. And, and Apparently, is it well known? And, and for me, for <laughs> that, that, it was very hard doing something that was more my own. Mm. I mean... How did the uh, previous band members feel about that? Yeah, it was their decision to kind of take a break with Fork of So. I think yeah. they... They felt so just loyalty. I mean, it's if you, justified. It's a loyalty thing. I understand. Yeah. That. So so we I started that project and then it was more mine. I mean, I was writing uh, all the lyrics. I was writing all the music. So uh, and I never thought that I would do that. So starting that project and that band also came to halt in 2014. So I was again at this place. Like, what the hell am I doing now? Mm. And that's that's how I started my solo career. I started I started writing songs for. What would become a solo career? Never in my life I would have imagined I'm going to be a solo artist. I just mm. wanted to be the dude in the band, you know, bass player, mm. guitarist, whatever. Now, you know, now I've got a successful solo career. Luckily, you know, uh, things worked out and uh, I could reimagine myself through the years a couple of times. Do you believe in luck? I think it's uh, there is luck involved, but I mean, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Eh? Gary, I always say, Gary Player. I believe in educated guesses. You don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. But also, like I said, if Gary Play says, if you, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. Right? Um, if I go out and ask one guy to play in his pub, then I have a certain amount of luck. If I ask 100, my luck increases. For sure. Just for numbers. For sure. Okay. Um, do you have something that when you really got some cash in the bank, right, and you got some money, uh, what's the first thing you really bought, you still kept, that reminds you of the humble beginnings? Jeez, I'm, I'm not really... Uh, oh, I've got an expensive guitar. I've got a nice guitar. I've got a nice acoustic guitar. The one you guitar. never play or the one just in the... No, I play it and it goes on the road, but okay. I've got a nice guitar. I mean, like, if I have to think about materialistic things, that's not really um, things that I hold dear, but I've got a cool guitar. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so now we've got it. Start the band... Got that going. Guys are playing how many shows a year? Yeah, I would say uh, un- up to 150 a year, yeah. That's decent. That's, mm. that's you grafting. Um, other bands play once every Saturday and want to be famous. Mm. So, so you got that. Groupies. Okay, let's leave that just for a second. Uh, let's go roadies, right? You need people to support the band. Unless you're carrying everything, you're plugging in. How did it, when did that start coping? Yeah, we actually travel without a roadie all my projects at the moment. I mean, it would be nice to employ someone, but it's a extra expense. It's not the hardest thing in the world to plug your guitar in. I mean, mm. we can still we can still do that. We travel with a merch guy that sells merchandise. Uh, he also doubles as a driver. <laughs> um, designated driver or just driver? Hey, now it's probably just a driver. Pre- designated driver. Yeah, they there must be someone that's kind of sober. I mean, when we were young, we didn't care, but uh, yeah. 
Now, years down the line, we're a little bit more responsible. Bribes are more expensive now. Yeah. (laughs) You can't bribe in Cape Town. That's the (laughs) other thing. Um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think that's the biggest issue. But, I mean, a good team around you is super important. I mean, when I started my solo career, I was trying to cut costs because I was like, this is a new thing. I did everything myself. I I booked the shows, managed the band. um, uh, booked from the flights to everything else uh, on my own and, and just doing that amount of work killed me because um, then you kind of step away from being creative. Mm. So I got a team together like in the second year of my, of my solo career that I still work with today. I remember from my side, right? So when I started my career, I'm kind of well known in my circles of coaches in the country that I don't often collab. The reason for that being is, I mean, you put in all the hard work. You build the brand. You put the money in your brand. You know, you fly the 140 flights or now drive the millions of kilometers. And then guys just want to latch onto the brand, doesn't want to do work, and just want to capitalize off kind of your fame. So I've always had the rule to not collab that much with other people. How do you feel collabing with other bands? Because you got some, you got some nice things going out there. You know, the Karen Zoy thing, you know, the, the Jack Parrot thing, right? How did collab influence also popularity with you? Yeah, I, I'm. I believe in in working with people. Like that's my like in my solo career. I also have a band that I write with, so I collab daily with them, and uh, collabing with other artists um, kind of happened naturally. You know, um, we knew Jack Parrow from when we were lighties, mm. and. Um, I, I had this song in another band, Dance, 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 and yeah. he liked it, and, and um, I, I sang it on his album, and that was kind of the first proper collab that I did, yeah. um, and that kind of exploded um, back that was 2009 or something like that, and through the years, I've done multiple collabs, some very successful, some not at all, and at times, my wife was like, why are you doing that? Why are you wasting your time? Like making a song with this and that one and that one. But kind of those things um, contributed to where I am today. And now for the last two years, I've been doing that Francois van Gogh and show with all my collaborators. So if I didn't do a lot of collabs, I would never have been able to do that. And that's like a big part of my career now. So I think if if you, I'm happy, I'm happy. I I did that. Sorry. And, and, and collabs works for me. I mean, I, I, I work hard. Hopefully the other person works hard too and we add something to each other, learn from each other and hopefully create something cool. It doesn't always work though. Yeah. But I, I think um, one of the probably top, one of the current what is really big. Mm. Uh, the Spookville one is, is really big. Yeah, both, both of those probably my biggest songs. Yeah, I, think, I, out, the, so. it took me a while to go through all your videos. It takes a while because you've got great videos out there. But those two were your collabs were your... My, were my, biggest, my biggest songs, yeah. Sure. Those two. That's yeah. always nice. Okay, then um, I've got a couple of guys. Like I've asked questions from everybody, so I'm asking all these questions. Um, this one actually came from most people think that when you're a rock star, because you're a rock star, I mean, what did you do, right? I, I, you're the original South African rock star. I, Before you, it was Yuri Els and Blaise Bridges. Yeah, and then you I, changed the music industry forever. Rock. I play rock music. Nah, you changed the industry. <laughs> I mean, before you, there was never something like you. I think that's why a lot of people were shit scared because there was never something like you. Then you rocked up to the stage, changed the name, right? That was a new thing. Um, two questions. First, I've tried to research, my staff tried to research, everybody tried to research. 
We know your mom said, don't mention the surname. Yeah. But where does Funko, Funko come from? Um, I can tell you that story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's listen, pretty stupid, it's, but it I'll tell you. It is literally a hidden story. Uh, I'll, I'll We've researched you. the shit out of this thing. <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, uh, me and Hunter that plays in Fork of Police Car, yeah. we were in a band before Fork of Police Car called New World Inside. Yeah, yeah. So we were fresh out of high school. I was 20, he was 18. I think he might have still been in matric. And we, at that stage, there was lots of Battle of the Bands happening. Mm. Um, I think that's actually a, a thing that the kids miss these days. There's not a lot of that happening. Mm. But we won a battle of the bands and then you win a... Potential business opportunity for Franchi Van Kuk. Yeah, you never know. Um, so, so then we um, won a battle of the bands, but you win a recording at a, some uh, audio school. Yeah, yeah. So you get all the students record you and it's some, some recording that you can never use anyway. Yeah, yeah. So cuck, but... I did that in the beginning of my career where you say, listen guys, I have a 5,000 rand prize. Take your graphic designers, go on the best photo, gets the prize. And then you get some of the stuff like... Can't post that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. So we won this recording, went to this place in Durbanville. I can't remember the school's name, but there was a, one of the students was from Friedendal. Our drummer was from Friedendal. There's a Coca-Cola factory in Friedendal. So they started talking about this guy that works for Coke, Yaku van Coke or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, Coke Rip. There's always a Coke Rip in the platter. Yeah, so we were like, damn, that's so funny. This guy's name is Yaku van Coke. So hilarious. And then... Um, Years down the line, when my mom asked me not to use my name, the first yeah. thing that came up, because we had this running joke, it was like, in the next interview, I was like, my name is Francho van Kuyk now. And it stuck from 2004. Yeah. Did you legally change it? No, I'm still Bardenhorst. Okay, legally. because I checked the wife's surname, I'm still Bardenhorst, yeah. I didn't check it's Van Kuyk. Yeah, my, my daughter says she's Bardenhorst, yeah. because uh, she's not a singer. Okay. Yeah, she doesn't want anything to do with Van Kuyk. So, coming back to that second question, right? So, Rockstar. Fucking touring all over, crushing it in clubs, crushing it in pubs, back of a skier somewhere in the free state. And you're catering hard, right? Afterwards, everybody wants to buy Jaeger for you. Everybody wants to buy four Brunnerman for you. Stop drinking right now where you are right now. Because, I mean, you're, you're fairly, you don't want to drink anymore. Um, it's a health choice, which is great for you. And it makes you perform at better rate. How has that influenced the after-party scene for you? I don't partake in it anymore. It's like... It was very hard for me to realize that that's over. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I stopped drinking seven years ago. It's like, um, and now, I mean, I don't even think about it anymore. Mm. But when I, I stopped drinking because my life was out of control. So I know that my life is better without it, you know, and I'm, yeah. I still, I love the party. I mean, I, I entertain people and I get people to party. So mm. I love the idea of party, but I don't. Um, partake in the after party anymore you know my band will go and party stay at the club I'll end up in the hotel and watch like rugby reruns or something on TV and eat sweets or something stupid you know? I, um, I've got this she's probably going to watch this interview so I've got this great client in Santa Nikki and so whenever I tour every two weeks because every two weeks I'm right across the country Nikki would often phone me on the Wednesday night she's a She's a little bit older than a normal person. She's one of my CEOs I'm working and coaching with. And then she would phone me and she's like, Faf, what are you doing? It was like 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night. Wednesday night, Radisson Blue up in Joburg. I'm like, no, 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 I'm really busy. She's like, Fancy, you're probably sleeping. I'm like, don't tell people I'm a rock star. Okay, I can't sleep at 7 o'clock. Dude, you get so tired that you don't want to go to the bar anymore. You don't want to party, you know. And I mean, if somebody of your stature walks through airport, I can fairly float through airports and nobody knows who I am except if there's business people. In. But with you, which is well known i can't imagine just having a meal with my daughter 
Like, I can't, I can't imagine sitting with my son at that age and, you know, everybody wants to shake their hand, take the photo, you know, get an autograph. Uh, how, how invasive is success to personal life? Yeah, it, I mean, there's times when it gets irritating. I mean, it, probably more for my family than for me, you know, because I'm used to it, you, you know. And, and I, th- I guess in Cape Town, people aren't that obsessive. You know, yeah. in, I think in the Gauteng, where we, in it's Pretoria, a, a where, we, bubble. where we have a bigger fan base as well, there it gets quite intense, you know, but, but down here it's not so bad. I mean, um, but it is, it is the price you pay. I mean, like, um, I, I started making music for people to eventually listen to the songs and appreciate it. And that's why they want to take a photo. That's why they want to chat. And then... I'm down with it, you know. So, with the surname of Van Coke, how much money is Coke giving you? Nothing. The only cool thing that came out of the whole Coke thing was I was a, I was a meme yeah. for a day when, yeah. when Coke said you're too, you must stop being too white. Too white. People said I must change my name to Van Pepsi. And I became a meme and the meme went viral. So, that was quite cool to be so a viral So, let's get you meme. sponsored by Coke or Pepsi, right? Because you don't drink anymore. Um... Coke Zero, though, that's my If Coke choice. Zero would sponsor you, will you become Francia from Coke Zero? <laughs> if the money you is... You can market it zero to euro. If, I mean, you can... You if can the sp- money is right. Okay, and you know, Pepsi every, approach everyone, you... Everyone's got their price. So let's hear if Pepsi... Uh, Pepsi <laughs> sponsorship. Okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, we spoke about kids. Kids is a tough thing, dude. Kids is like, I made this human. But how did your daughter influence you? Yeah, I mean, it changes everything. Like, for me, obviously, I was quite wild in my 20s and mid 30s so I, I was always trying to delay the inevitable you know mm-hmm. me and my wife we've been together on and off since we since I was 21 years old so we were together for she's the big love also yeah yeah no she's like the ultimate you know I, I always knew that she's going to be the one it was just a backing and forth thing and yeah, interviewing giving her. and taking <laughs> um, and when we got married when I was 32 so it was it took like 11 years yeah and you know for me i was then i was also still trying to delay kids because i mean i just thought the responsibility is too hectic i'm always on the road and and um, i i never in my mind when i was a lighty thought i want to be a dad Mm. that like the first time i fell in love with scary the first time i fell in love with my baby was when my wife was pregnant. Then the first time I thought other babies were cute and I wanted to touch them. Before that, I didn't Dude, want to touch babies or anything Don't like say that. that on the podcast channel. <laughs> Tomorrow, front page. You never say you never get fucking highlights. Franz van Gogh touches babies. You've heard it here now. Breaking news. Okay. I want to touch babies. Yeah. But I mean, just rubbing their heads or something like that. Don't but, have to explain, it's fine. Uh, but, um, yeah, so obviously... When my daughter came into our, mm. our lives five years ago, that changed everything because you're not, it's not about you anymore. Mm. It's about that person. And mm. I think like a lot of things has changed in terms of like um, trying to perform and trying to be the best because you know, now I want the best for her. How do your financial goals change? Yeah, like, I think we spoke about this briefly earlier. Yeah, dude, both of us, we understand the poor. We both were, like, coming from that side, right? Yeah, I think we spoke about it briefly earlier. Now, you know, I'm, I have the saying that I probably started saying in the COVID time is mm-hmm. um, whatever feeds the family. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I make music, but I'll do everything else 
to feed my family too. Like the know? voice. Yeah. How did that happen? Like the boxing, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. How much you make for the boxing? I've made a good one. That How was much? A, that was a good one. You said you can ask any question. Oh, but How I, don't, much? I don't like to talk about figures on That's just a figure show. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> How much? But I made more than 100, less than 100. More than 100. Fuck me. To knock out a dude that's half fit in five rounds. Payday. <laughs> I'm liking that. Um, it was, yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said, I could take like a little bit of time and focus on the boxing. Yeah. It could take like a couple of months. So it was cool. It was worth it. The whole ex- exercise. Well, for over 100 for five rounds, it can't be that bad. And you're not even a pro. Like that, there's pro guys that don't even make that. I know, pro guys. I know, I know. The, the pro fighters in South Africa, it's actually a shame that yeah, they, they don't get paid very well. It's terrible. It's like rugby players. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to leave to make money. Yeah, but that's the South African excellent. If you're at the top tier, you still make good bucks. Ten yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, like, like I said, like, um, like things like The Voice, like doing stuff on TV, um, doing like, I guess... Influence how, how did kind the of voice happen? Because you haven't got that. You've got a unique voice, like crazy unique. It's not like a, let's say, you need a diplomacy, which you can basically it's a nice voice, and you can coach that style of voices. But to get a Francia from Coke style of voice kind of person, that's that's was weird for me. In the yeah, I think it actually was quite out there for the voice to come to me because I I don't, I don't even consider myself a singer. Yeah. Like, I've never had any vocal training. I, I think I had vocal training after The Voice for yeah. the first time. Um, but um, And Tashay is now with you. She is my, my best friend, Vainan, that is also my manager, is her manager. Yeah. But she's not with me. I mean, uh, I don't do anything for her besides yeah. for sing with her year okay, and Okay, so there. let's discuss this because everybody's wondering what happens behind the scene. Do you coach like all these people, really? Or is there some other dude that's stepping in? You're just the person out on the TV? There, there is there... I can tell you. Yeah, okay, let's go there first. Okay, so, so there is a vocal coach, a yeah. real vocal coach. Like a real, real one. A real, real vocal coach. So you don't, I, you don't say like, ha, 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 ha. You don't... You don't no, but, but some, of the, some of the coaches do. I, I couldn't teach... Dasha, anything. I mean, she's a way better singer than me. She's good. She's alright. Like, um, but but I mean, she's I a Stelly, eh? I, My son is a Stelly. She's oh yeah, Stella but, but she's also from uh, also from stays in Brackis yeah. now, and also stayed in Boston. Yeah. Same vibe. Um, but but um, my son, when we heard this interview is coming up, my son told me last night that he's currently sitting in the Afrikaans class on the chair that Tasha sat in oh, Stellenberg High School. And this, like, he says, just remember to tell Franja that I'm sitting on Tashai's seat in Africa's cool. class. Cool. So, yeah. That's some, uh, I hope you can... He can't sing, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, my, I, I could teach her about performance. Mm-hmm. So like, I would help her in that regard. So there, yeah. there, there was a choreographer that can help them with like special yeah. moves, but I can, I can, what, what my job was in my coaching style was... You know, I would motivate them, try and get the best out of them mm. and teach them about performance. I think when she did the story on The Voice, that moment when that, I always say that French and Coke voice comes through, that raspy voice comes mm. through, you could see the other contestants like, oh, fuck, I'm done. I'm not going to win this thing. Yeah, but That was literally the, the one song that destroyed the rest of the contestants. I think she was the best from the start and I think most of the people knew that. You mm. know, I don't think anyone else really stood a chance. So I was very lucky that she chose me. I mean, she could have taken any coach. So that's what I want to know. So you don't get them afterwards under your stable because you've got your own um, VCK, I, right? I can, I can tell you how, how things happen. So, so she won and then she, she, she wins an album contract with Universal. Mm. But Universal came to me and they asked us to do the first 
EP at our studio. Okay. So I co-produced the first EP. Um, and I obviously hooked her up with my friend, Vainan, that's also the manager. He's actually the real mm. business dude. Like, he's the strategist that, like, We plans, have to get him on the podcast. Plans the shit out. Um, but, um, so he, he's a manager now. And, um, but Vainan played with yours on Fokov. He play, still plays. Yeah, he still plays with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, he manages my solo career. And he writes music, great music. He, I think he wrote the first album for you guys. No, he's, he's not much of a, a songwriter. He's, his focus is more like the management side okay. and planning. Like okay. that. He's very good at that and obviously a good bass player. But he's not, he doesn't write that much. Okay. He has written some stuff, but not, he's not, that's not his main vibe. Um, so so Tasha was, we produced the first EP for her, um, uh, but, but she's kind of moved on. So, so she's worked with other people now, also friends of mine. She's written with Hunter Kennedy that mm. also plays in Fokov. Mm. Um, so all of us have a little influence in her life and for me I'll get her to sing along at shows she's featured on a Fokov Pulisikar song mm. um, she will probably sing with me tomorrow night at the Art Highlander she'll probably come and sing a couple of songs you know it. so we're still well connected but I don't have a specific job mm. in her life okay so you basically just get paid to be the face of the voice but you don't actually get anything after that from any other contestants unless you sign them maybe to your label yeah i guess for do me, you have that option i guess for me no you don't because uh, oh, the, the, there's a label but but for me so even if you don't win it so let's say number five that drop out right but they're a great voice it must maybe just too nervous for camera can you sign those guys or is everybody that goes to tv I think, I think it's actually the first the top 10 has got first option to universal okay yeah so oh, they, they can so they of, can still make money yeah yeah some of the i know that this the girl that came second she released the album through universal as well Okay. So um, when I went on The Voice, my idea was to find someone that I can work with, uh, uh, make music with, uh, collaborate, uh, feature on songs, and mm. all of that stuff has happened. And I never imagined that it would work out that well. Yeah. You know, actually find someone that you can do something with. Okay. Um, so you've made some money. Next question, big question for a lot of music guys, right? Where do you where do you spend most of your ca- except for food and alcohol and petrol? Okay, if you want to grow your brand, where do you spend your money into? Uh, I think it's changed over the years. I think in the beginning, like I, I spoke to you about the early days of Folk of Polisikar, we tried to create the best productions, get the best sound, get the best um, uh, show production, so mm. you can Light look your sound. best stuff like that. You know, now over the years, still doing that. Um, but I mean, I, I guess on the marketing side, we spend a bit more money. Um, on social media, to get proper reach, you need to spend a bit of bucks. Um, and what is it? What is a band? What is? I can't say you're the band, but let's say how much do you think you more or less drop to get your name out there constantly? Because everybody's had a marketing fee. I've got a marketing fee. You've got a marketing fee. Shit, it depends. I mean, I mean, like say if we put out a new music video, we might put five or ten k behind it to to push Just it. Bump it yeah sure. so uh, and then obviously we use we use uh, pr people that we need to pay to mm-hmm. you know um, shop the song to radio stations and stuff like that yeah. so that, i think that's also quite important people um seem to over oversee that mm-hmm. a lot um pr but i think for me that's a very important thing to spend money on so let's say i'm a young artist older artist I'm pushing now a little bit, writing better songs, getting better traction in the market. 
Who do I avoid? Because you've probably learned a lot. Record labels. Okay. Yeah, these days you can do it all yourself. I, I mean, you don't need a record label. I am dropping my book at the end of the year, right? So stop bitching, start pitching. And everybody's trying to get me to, I, I can sign with any place because I create my own clients. Yeah. But then I only own like 15% of the royalties. But you don't make money And they from own you. Yeah. So, and if I'm looking at what happened when there's a lot of, I'm not going to name record labels in South Africa, but there were some stories floating around there recently about record labels maybe taking too much of artists. So you say do it solo. Yeah, I mean, these days, the record labels offer you a 360 deal. So they basically take a cut from everything you do. So live shows, whatever money you earn, they take something, which yeah. is, I mean, a bit of a joke. But obviously, they're not selling CDs anymore. So, yeah. And the revenue from streaming is not the same as what it was yeah. from CDs back in the day. Um, and, you know, for like a record label is basically in South Africa – just a bank i mean they they pay for your recording if you can make enough money save money to pay for your own recording you can do everything else as do you well. think it's easier now to record with all technology in the market than your years yes like yes. i'm not saying yours but when we start 18 years yes ago? yes the album of the year 2020 um or 2019 um come on bad yeah. guy what's her name uh, uh, Billie Billie Eilish. Eilish. Yeah, she did it in a, in a uh, basically room with her buddy on a keyboard it was it was a brother in their parents house in a room yeah and it's like album of the year he's producer of the year it's much easier, so you much think, easier. do you think the music industry is going to go the Netflix way where everything is just easier accessible everything is streaming already so you're going to make most of your revenue basically from standing in front of people always has been like that yeah Okay. Like we never sold a lot of records. I mean, I, I got lucky to sell a lot of albums with that when, when I had that song with Karin Zoid. Mm. But I mean, never before or after have I really sold a lot of albums um, because things changed so much in the market. Now it's streaming. That's the thing. And, and these days, a big hit is what you need. Yeah, a, a song that streams a lot. That's what you want. Where are you playing? It's always been uh, radio play also helps but these days it's more about like getting on the right um playlists on spotify and apple music and those things also yeah, do a lot okay so last couple of things i want to chat about is when you're done with the singing side i don't think you will be like you said you've you're looking at a lot of the older brands they're still playing around but let's say one day you're like okay cool <coughs> daughter's now 16 i get to that stage where you know want to spend more time at home what's going to be the next level of french and coke yeah, Fine, I'm talking business-wise. Yeah, I mean, I um, I will always make music. I mean, I mean, I will probably make music until I die. Mm. And my mission in life is to do um, the most important things and not everything. You know, like uh, that was like my mission before COVID. Obviously, COVID shook things up a little bit. So I was doing big, bigger shows. That was like kind of my main thing: the front and finger shows that we would play to arenas for. 10,000 no, people. I saw, that's crazy. So my mission is to focus on um, show promotion. And then obviously I've got a, a bunch of other things. I'm doing the, the alcohol brand, Fork of Lager. We've got a I wanted to chat about that also. So I saw you in the Fork of Lager. Uh, um, are you part of the, the brand? Yeah. Uh, or just a spokesperson? They said, listen, we've got beer. You want to market it? How does it work? No, Fork of, Fork of Lager is, belongs to the five guys in the band in Fork of Polisica. So we've got that business interest. And then we've got a bar in Pretoria. Uh, it's like the, the five of us and two partners. So Fork of Bar in Linwood Road. Uh, it's like in the... Are they next week? Student Hub. Yeah. 
Moet ik een selfie doen? Doe je niks hier? Ja, ja. In Pretoria. Please, ja. go. Go, ja, ja. Now, go and have a, go and have a fuck of vlog. Go and fuck of vlog. I like that. Okay. So, and then obviously I, I, I focus on my merchandise quite a bit. So, I mean, I, I just like to expand all of those things. And I, I think, but I think uh, the thing uh, that could be most financially beneficial is probably doing big show promotions um, in the future of my own yeah. shows. Yeah. So, I'm going to break it down and tell me where I'm wrong. If you want to start a great music career, first of all, care about your music, right? Not about your name and where it's going to go in the future. Write great content. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Like, don't, if you start thinking you want to make money, that will probably not work. Yeah, because then you go, a lot of bands sell out and they go to what's popular instead of what's true. Uh, yeah, and what you, do what you want to do. Okay. Secondly, what you do is avoid record labels. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not scared of saying that. Third thing you do is stay literally as close as you can to your audience, basically on stage all the time, right? Do the 100 shows a year. Oh, do that 200 shows a year. Make sure you interact with the fans. Okay, three, invest in great equipment. That helps a bit. So, is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, you can Start do with it, shitty equipment without great. You can probably do it with crap equipment, but it's nicer to play good equipment. Okay. Building your brand... I would say social media is really important right now. Mm -hmm. So what would you say if you have to choose one social media outlet? What would be the most effective for a young artist? Uh, I think TikTok at the moment. Like I don't really have a very active TikTok vibe, but I know bands are breaking it overseas through 15-minute clips on TikTok. That's so crazy. So if you, like I think, um, you know, if, if someone makes a dance on your TikTok thing and it goes viral, yeah. I mean, your song is massive. Um, I think TikTok's probably the most important. I need to up my game on TikTok. <laughs> I Dude, feel like the, we're I'm, in I'm, literally I'm, the same boat there. Like my, like I've got, like you, I've got all the, and TikTok, I'm like, okay, I've, I've already done everything on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, I've got the Spotify and I've got the Apple podcast. What do I now do on TikTok? And yeah. I'm not going to dance. Yeah. Uh, I can, but it looks like a polar bear dancing. So that shit's not going to work for me. So... I'm just using TikTok now for my sarcasm. I mean, yeah, that's, that's where cool. I'm in this one. Let's that, just see how that thing that, goes out. That's cool. I mean, if you find whatever you find that works for you on TikTok, that can work. I mean, yeah. I just haven't really found my TikTok niche. But for me, Instagram and Facebook still works great. I think I it'll mean, work as you, if you do a Gundam style. Is it? You got yeah. the vibes. Pelvil style. Pelvil style. <laughs> no, but you're going to slap two people. So, <laughs> Okay, so what we try to do from our side to help one of my key things I try to do in my business is I help companies, right? 1,100 brands are with me, just over 120,000 people I'm coaching in South Africa, and I never wanted to be a coach. I actually just wanted to be a business person, an entrepreneur, employ some people, run my own businesses, and then clients ask me for help. And so the reason why we're having people on all the time is, you know, to help smaller businesses grow their brand, you know? And I think there's a Spider-Man movie that says, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think once you start off, nobody wants to help you fucking sucks right you have to pay for everything you spoke about that then once you become you know, a little more a little more successful you tend to get the opportunity to help people that you wouldn't normally have helped so one of them is i'm trying to help businesses all the time so one of the things we're doing um to say thanks for you to come on board we spoke about this is you have a charity organization okay yeah i, w I work with padisa um I, i've been working with them for probably the last year and a half yeah on a couple of different projects. We actually, at the moment, we make watches uh, with my brand, Van Koeks and Badisa, and 
they take the profits from that. Cool. Where do we get their watches? How do we get them to get some money? Funcokes.co.za. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's my merchandise store. And the watches are on there as well. I think I saw it on your Instagram. There's a link to it also. Yeah, yeah. So you go to the Instagram. You go to the link on his Instagram. It drops down and then there's Van Koch's store there. That's it. Okay, so everybody go there. Second thing is, um, from our side, Rocks, our sales coach, we want to help everybody you guys are helping. So we'll be sponsoring 2,000 Rand to Berisa on your behalf. Amazing. That's um, great, just to man. say Thank thanks so for coming much. on the show. I know to, you just came from rehearsals run, to run this. But also we have a, every episode we're going to do, we've got a sponsorship. So there's a sponsored guy coming on board, a company that's smaller, that wants to grow their brand, and they give the person out of the chair, they give something nice. So we are bringing on EPA Systems. It's a local Brackenfell-based company. Uh, they employ... So how this company actually works is they had some bad reviews on Facebook. I won't even lie. Like nine bad reviews. But the bad reviews are like, these people work too late. They knock on my door at nine o'clock in the evening. So was, that's the kind of bad reviews. But what this company has really done successful in the last 20 years is very simple. They take people from disadvantaged communities. They bring them into this company. And they teach themselves. So I'm involved with this company also. So we teach them sales, and then we teach these kids that has no job, no opportunity, no education, how to be great at sales. We send them out, and then actually they start selling EPS systems, and they work for the company, and they earn a great income. And so the company has about 9,000 clients around Africa, and it's the fastest-growing energy-saving company in the country. So if what we're going to do for you, Francho, is we're installing. That is a voucher for you for EPS systems. So what we're doing for you is we are installing a EPS system with 12,495 Rand into your home this week. Uh, it saves your electricity about 35% in the first hour. So it cuts your electricity bill with about 35% Incredible. thanks to EPS systems. Incredible. Uh, it's a local Brackefell company that's been having a lot of progress. We're on a couple of radio stations, if you've heard that also. So Francesco, for coming into the show, I want to say thanks for that. I want to help Badisa help you also to get that wow, in the house. Thank you so much. Really appreciate so it. So I've got more money to spend on the wife for date night. So. Amazing. Okay. So one of the things we're trying to do from our side is, you know, get people involved everywhere. So we've done the business thing and all that. But we also have fans. So you've got way more than me. Let's just drop that there. Uh, I've got a year and there business client, you know, that always wants to know. So we said we're getting Francia versus Francia. Francia from Coconut Show. Get us somebody that wants to ask a question. We had so many people competing, and then I was thinking it's going to get local, but we got somebody from Durban to ask awesome. a question. She is here. We've got Mish in the house to ask a question. So I'm going to step aside. Ah, here we go. How's it, how's it? Hi, Michelle. <laughs> you well? Good, good. <laughs> cool. Um, well, so, thanks so much. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, and I'm so glad I got the opportunity to come. Thank you, Francia. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just wanted to find out, um, coming from Durban, it's very different to Cape Town, very different to Johannesburg. Uh, it'd be fantastic to know a bit about your upbringing in terms of, I mean, we spoke earlier how kids today kind of just get handed everything, cars and cell phones. And we were talking about Nokia 3310. And um, I wanted to find out your upbringing. How did you go about getting the things that you needed in order to become a success, getting the things that yeah, you needed to uh, yeah, man. I, I mean, I grew up uh, very modest. I guess my dad's a Dutch reform minister and my mom's a teacher. So, you know, kind of in, in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. So I guess it's, we had everything we needed, but we never had a lot of bucks. I mean, for me, um, uh, like I said to Francia earlier, when I, when I started making music, it wasn't really about 
making money. I was just on a mission to do stuff. You know, I wanted to make music, and I think that that drive coming from very normal suburbia kind of drove me to 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 push myself and 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 be on a mission. And I I still have that drive today. You know, I can't. I can't stand stand still for very long, and I'm always <laughs> on to something else um, as soon as I can do something else. Um, so I think that's probably one of my uh, bigger talents than music is like <laughs> being super determined. So I, th- I think that probably comes from our from our upbringing. Nice. And then when you um, are off tour and you're at home and everything, what's kind of like your your go to plan? Are you up early? Do you sleep sleep in? Try and take advantage of that? Or <laughs> I've, yeah, I've got two little kids, so I don't sleep late <laughs> at all. But I, anyway, I was always up early. Um, even when I was partying hard, I was always the guy that's up earliest. Um, but I mean, my what I what I do when I'm not on the road is I spend time with my family. That's my m- first mission, quality time because I miss them a lot when I'm away. And I I am kind of into running, so I run and I and I box. I, I kept on boxing a bit, so I guess that's my kind of two hobbies outside. Um, music and outside music and my family. Yeah, awesome. so I, and it's quite sporty things which I don't think people will. Think I'm into that vibe, but I, yeah, I, I, I love those two things. Yeah, that's oh, my no, mission. That's, that's awesome. That's really, really good. Uh, one more question. We got yeah. time for one more question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We paid for nothing. Don't worry. <laughs> so, um, if you had to go back and kind of talk to your younger self and give advice to your younger self, or even kids, uh, I know there's a letter out there that you've kind of get. But um, what would be the kind of best advice for a young musician? Mm. Uh, I think. Uh, Practice as much as you can. Uh, work on your craft. I mean, I didn't do a lot of that. Like, I was in high school. I was into rugby and then, I guess, partying and girls. Um, so, I didn't spend a lot of time on my instrument. I wish I did when I was younger. Um, but when we started the band, we were like, we're going to be the best. And we're going to practice hard. We're going to rehearse. We're going to uh, work hard. So, I, I think, like, work on your craft. And if you... If you want to be an amazing guitarist, you need to put in the hours. Practice, you know? practice. And then uh, surround yourself with people that you get along with. You know, in, in your band and in your team, um, it's people that you're kind of married to in a different way. Become so, your family almost. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. for, for, for me, I feel very blessed that I found like five people to work with twice in my life, two different dynamics with two different groups that I am very happy with the dynamic that I have with both. Um, that's that's Folk of Police and my 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 band Gefar that I play with in my solo career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's important. You know, even get a buddy that can't play, but he's your buddy and teach him how to play rather than um, someone that you don't someone get along with. Awesome! Oh, that sounds great. Thank you so so much for answering our questions. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, cool. Let's switch seats again. Thanks, Mesh. Thank so yeah. So on the. For the guys who's following on our next podcast, um, one we're also going to do, got a couple other people also coming on. You can also be on the show, chat to the celeb in the seat and ask some questions. I, I wanted to ask two more things. Okay, One more thing is, you touched on it and I wanted to end off with this. How important is the people you surround yourself with? That was the first question. And the second question is, how important is working on the craft? And you just dropped some knowledge because I think in sales, who you're at with, the clients you're contacting, the people you're approaching, and your craft skill is very important. And as a muso, how would you say it does that rate? 
Yeah, uh, okay. I'll, I'll start with the team. I think like a team is super important. You know, I'm, I don't have a massive team. I've got a manager, a booking agent, and a PR slash management assistant person. Um, and I can trust all three of them with my whole life. And Good. If I'm on the road, I hear good reports of the way they deal with people. I think so my, my booking agent is absolutely in love with your booking agent at the moment. Amazing. The two, uh, two girls are getting on like a house on fire. Right. Which is great. Great. So, yeah. So, so I think a team is super important. Like I said, in a band environment, it's kind of the same. It's like about the, the people that surround you, uh, you surround yourself with, and, um, and they will add to what you are not that good at, you know? Yeah. So I hate doing admin. I'm just dude, not. I'm just dude, not. Seriously. I'm just not the admin check guy. Out, check out the laughing in the crowd. <laughs> dude, I fucking suck at admin. admin. I haven't sent an email in three years, and people don't believe me. Uh, um, and, and there's people that are better at that. And yeah, let's, let's make way better. Let's, <laughs> make, let's make use of them. So that's amazing. And then working on your craft is is obviously super important. You know, for me as a songwriter, the more you write, the better you get at it. Yeah. The more easily it comes. So. Yeah. You know, work, work at, work at that. You know, I, I think for I know the best guitar players, the best skilled musicians were the guys that put in the hours. That's why they're good. I, I I'm, I'm constantly listening to different kind of motivational coaches around the world, and I'm right now I'm, I'm kind of liking Will Smith, and Will Smith always said this is great disillusion between natural skill and talent, and some people have very high natural talents, but they never never develop the skills out of it where other people might not have the natural talent but if you work on the skill you surpass the natural talent people so i think if you're saying like that you know you gotta you gotta graft yeah let you gotta put the hours can't just be on stage all the time when nobody's watching what are you doing with your craft yeah exactly but i, I mean I, also if you're a young band play as much as you can because that's how you learn you know yeah. i mean i i did that since i was a 15 year old light i've been playing in bands it's like it feels it's like second nature you know what i mean and um, yeah, I, I dissed record labels very badly, so I just actually want to say there is actually new labels that are artist-centric. Do you want to give a shout-out to one label that looks after yeah, you? Yeah, I don't have a... I, I'm not signed to a label, but I, I'm, I've got friends that are signed to a label called Platoon that is like artist-centric and looking forward okay. into the future, into the digital domain. And, and a lot of the other labels haven't stepped up to that level. To that level, yet, yeah. Okay, tell us before we can, uh, finish up, tell us what Francis and Coco's on, what's happening in your life in the next couple of weeks and months, what can we look forward to? I know you're working on the new stuff, the new album, uh, sign copy for the office if you can. So we'll Obviously, I, I, I brought a vinyl in here. You did? It was actually not Where is that for vinyl? you, but I'm going to send you one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to send I you I think one. it's in the seat back there. We can uh, do a quick <laughs> shout out on that. <laughs> I'm going to send you one. Um, oh, yeah, my mission for the next couple oh, of months is... Dachtroom is one. Yeah, that's, that, I'll, I'll send you one. I'll make a point of it. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously playing a lot of shows. I'm yeah. basically um, playing shows until the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and in the middle, I'm recording the first stuff that will be on my fourth album. How about we do one thing? Uh, you don't have to do it, but let's see if this is, will accumulate the future. How about Francia van Gogh doing one organized battle of the bands, new artists? I would love to do that. I mean, uh, I would love to do that. Uh, like, um, There's so I'm, many venues standing empty. It can't be that hard to organize something. Yeah, I, I would just like to do it on a, a bigger scale than, 
than that. You know, like something like the voice for bands or something like that could. Oh, that's the next level. Be great. The, unfortunately, if you need uh, a sales coach. Uh, I know somebody. Yeah, the, the 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 market for rock music in South Africa is so tough, and, and I mean, it was at a better level when when that MCAR channel was around, maybe ten years yeah, ago. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. And then they had like rock spider competitions, band competitions. And I think that added a lot to the industry at the time. So I think something like that is needed for, for rock music mm-hmm. listeners and young peeps. Anything else you want to drop? Love you, man. Dude, thanks for coming in. <laughs> like, you know what's the nice thing about you? Uh, we spoke about this beforehand. But we're both boykies from the same area, which means we, we, people don't believe it, but we're humble as fuck. So we are. You know, we know where you start off on what you have to do to get to the top. And I think often, you know, you want to see other, you want to champion other people also. So to say thanks to come out of your business schedule, coming into the studio, it's always nice. That I have to give a shout out to one dude behind the scenes always. Uh, this dude has been down since day one, right? Nienes Engelbrecht, Light Lounge Studios. Um, I'm not saying this because he's, he's filming this thing for us. I'm saying this because I met this dude and uh, he was a wedding photographer shooting on weekends. Now this dude is an icon in the in the photograph in the photography industry in the video industry. So if you guys do want to have a kick-ass production as this one, this dude set this up in like four minutes. That's the level of what they're operating at. So uh, give a shout out to Light Lunch Studios. Thanks very much. Okay, dude. So listen here for all the people out there. Uh, we know it's COVID. We know it's tough out there. You can't just do 100 shows all the time. Venues are half-packed. Where do we get your merge? How do we make your mortgage? Uh, everything on funkcokes.co.za. Okay. Um, albums, t-shirts jackets, cool. jerseys, watches, shades, whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is my latest album released in 2019. Okay, we're waiting for the new one. Don't worry. New one, working We'll on, drop working that on also. That so um, social media, give the guys your links. Where are we? At Francia van Coke everywhere. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. So from my side, um, you know, if you want to follow us, uh, we're doing really well on our Facebook pages, Rockstar Sales Coach. Easiest way to find me is quite simple. Go to Google. Type in best sales coach in Africa. Boom. Or go into South Africa and say best sales coach in South Africa. Boom. Apparently I'm both. Nice. So it's not that tough to find me. I don't need a business card anymore. Um, from my side, guys, like I always say, life is short. Life is tough. Life is not easy. It's not going to be easy. But if you really want to rock it, rock it with people like Francia. Right? That's what you want to do. So from my side, I want to say thanks so much for coming on the show. Follow the rest of the stuff. Life's too short not to be the best at being you. Just be a rock star. Cheers, cheers.